0: Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. This week, we have a special guest with us to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, thank you so much, uh, Glenn, and uh, thank you, um, Kathy and Jamie, for hosting us last night. It's a privilege to be able to be here today with my wife, Beth. And uh, let me just start off uh, wishing you a happy new year. Now you can respond. um, If you don't respond and interact with me today, this message could go really, really long. So (laughs) let let, let me try that once again. Happy New Year! Year. All right, good, good. We're on the on the same page now. So, you know, as I think about um, today speaking here at Faith Community Church, I, I realize this: these last couple of years have been really, really challenging years for I think all of us um every individual when I when I look back at all that's happened with COVID-19 now we've got uh the Delta variant variant and we've got other issues that we're dealing with all the political unrest when I think about the racial tension that seems to pervade our land uh you and I we we come into this service today and we finished out possibly a difficult year but actually maybe about two years uh, because there's been so much that's been going on and as I think about all of this There's one or two ways that as you reflect on 2021, but you think about beginning 2022, you have a choice and an option to either approach it based on fear or faith, either direction. Now, all of us deal, fears are just a natural, normal part of life. Um, Let me just poll you as a congregation and ask you, how, how many of you... Have a little bit of fear and anxiety of snakes. How many of you would follow that category? All right. How, how many of you are fearful of uh, spiders? You don't really care for spiders, okay? Uh, there, there's all kinds of things. I, I, I think back um, to just my life as I reflect over the years, and I, I think some of the things that I, I look back, I, I remember even as a teenager having this dream, it's still very vivid in my mind, that there I, I went to sleep had this dream and there was Frankenstein that was chasing me and Frankenstein was chasing me toward this cliff and and I remember going off the cliff but I didn't hit bottom I woke up I was startled in the bed maybe you've had some situations like that or maybe some of you are old enough or for those of you that are more retro maybe you remember Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds and I, I remember as a kid watching that movie and And I remember then going out and seeing some birds on a telephone uh, electric line. And I'm like, I wonder if they're after me. You know, so fears are a natural, normal part of life. But sometimes it becomes so pervasive in regard to our lives that that it seems to dominate us. And I feel like based on the circumstances that we faced over the last several years, that could be true individually. It also could be true... And it's certainly true culturally, but it also can pervade our corporate understanding. When you, when you think about it, you all, uh, Dame went off and began a new work, new ministry, um, Unfolding Word Ministries, and we think about that even as a congregation. Sometimes congregations can become fearful of the future, like, what are we going to do? We're, we're depending on pulpit supply each and every week. And so what happens in our lives individually, what happens for us, congregationally can seem to pervade our lives. And I, I want us to think about this because uh, Steve Cuss, a uh, pastor, interesting name for a pastor, he said social media is a super spreader of anxiety. I, I think you see this uh, very naturally. Um, news media is a, is a spreader of anxiety. Uh, when you and I get to the point where our interactions with others, our interaction with social media, our interaction with the news media, you and I can get to the place where we end up spreading anxiety. Sometimes we spread it in our own lives. That the more we think about our circumstances, the more that we think about life, the more that we uh, live out life in today's culture, we end up Spreading anxiety in regard to our lives. So, I, I want to talk about this subject of fear and faith. Passage of scripture I want you to turn to is in the Old Testament. It's a familiar passage of scripture, but I hope we'll glean some new insights that maybe you haven't thought about for a while. And so, uh, if you would turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 18, and I want to read this passage of scripture for you as we think about all of these aspects. As you turn to 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, I talked about culturally we're dealing with some things. Maybe it's individually that you're dealing with some anxiety. Some of you in this room today, you're dealing with anxiety because of health issues. Or relational issues. Or vocational issues. You, you don't know if in six months you'll have a job. So Some of you are here and, and you're wondering if your marriage is going to make it or how your kids or your grandkids are going to turn out. And this anxiety that we think about is talked about in this passage of Scripture because I love the real-life stories that we find in the Old Testament and throughout the Scriptures and, and those things that come alive for us when we look at the lives of others. And so I want to read to you uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to read for you. It's a long passage of Scripture, but I just want you to focus in on this. Uh, 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 18. This is right after, by the way, and I'll come back to this a little bit later. This is after the situation where fire comes down from heaven, consumes the altar and the sacrifices. Uh, Elijah goes to his God in prayer. And, and, and notice what happens in verse 1. It says, uh, Ahab told Jezebel all that it had done, that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, they're dead, Elijah, you're going to be dead as well. Then Elijah was afraid, and he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in uh, the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Then he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains, and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind." Verse 9 and then again in verse 13. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshai. You shall anoint to be king over Israel and Elisha, the son of Saphat, of Abimeola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes the sword of Haziel shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Now... I want you to think about what's what's the level of anxiety in your life. Maybe you've got a low level of anxiety. Maybe it's sort of mediocre right now. Maybe you've got a high level of anxiety. There's something that's uncertain about your health. Something uncertain about your marriage. Something about your future that you're not you don't fully grasp. You know that there, there is a God who loves you and cares for you, but somehow there's this internal sort of this, this, this feeling, this level of anxiety, and you seem a little bit worried, or maybe you're just a little doubtful, or whatever it is that you want to refer to it as, you're thinking about this. And I, I want us to be able to see Elijah in his humanity. I want you to be able to see yourself in terms of your humanity, how you deal with life, the circumstances that you face individually and that we find ourselves in culturally. So the first insight that I want us to see today is this. Seasons of faith are often followed by seasons of fear. You you can be sailing along in life and all of a sudden, have you ever noticed how the circumstances of life can just change in a moment? You get a phone call in the middle of the night. You get the report from the doctor that it's cancer. Your spouse leaves you the Dear John note and says, I'm leaving you. You go into work and think you've got security and they hand you your pink slip. There's all kinds of things that can happen in regard to your life. And Elijah has just gone through this amazing experience on Mount Carmel. Do you remember the story? I love this in... Vacation Bible school and Sunday school as a child that, you know, these prophets of Baal, they're they're calling out to their God, their Baal God, and they're asking for their God to come down and consume the sacrifice. They spend all day dancing before Baal, cutting themselves, all these different things, and there's no response from heaven. And Elijah just builds the sacrifice, the altar there before God places that sacrifice on it. it. says, pour some water on it, pour some more water on it, pour some more water. Trench filled with water and he prays to God in an instant, boom shakalaka. All this fire comes down from heaven. Consumes the sacrifice. I mean, can you imagine? Like they've just seen the supernatural of God at work. And Elijah's just thinking, man, it doesn't get getting better this. When you see God do the miraculous... And maybe that describes your life. Maybe that describes how things had gone for you up to a certain point until two years ago when COVID-19 struck. Or some of you may be dwelling on something that when the spouse left you or the divorce occurred or your health took a turn south, that it may have been three years, five years, or ten years, and yet it still seems to pervade your life. And there's a level of anxiety that you somehow wish you could go back to the good old days. And you're wondering, how, how can things get better for me in 2022? Let me go back and read for you uh, again in 1 Kings 19 verses 2 and 3. It says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, so may the gods do to me and more also... Uh, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, Elijah, Jezebel has given this death threat, like I'm after you. I want you more than anything else. I'm going to take your life because you've taken the lives of the prophets of Baal. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Can you? Do you sense the emotion? He's gone from super courageous, allowing God to send down fire from heaven, to now he's a coward, quaking in his shoes and running for his life. And that's a very normal experience. In fact, I, I want to normalize. You know, when you and I have marriage problems, I just want you to know, marriage takes a lot of work. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Raising kids takes. A lot of work. Can I get an amen? amen? All these different things that you and I, we journey through life, and I just want to normalize for you that anxiety is, is a part of life. It's a part, it's, the anxiety is normal. How we deal with it is either, you know, we just take things as they come, or we experience the supernatural of God in our lives. I love the, um, I think about. Christmas season of the year, we just came out of this, and Charlie Brown Christmas, and Charles Schultz, he had in one of his Peanuts uh, comic strips, this is uh, Linus, talking and interacting with Charlie Brown. And said uh, he says these words, he says, this is my philosophy in life, this is Linus speaking, he says, no problem is so big or complicated that it can't be run away from. And that's true for a lot of us. Some, sometimes when the anxiety strikes, sometimes when, the, when we're going through a difficult time in life, what do we want to do? We just want to turn tail and run. We just, let me just stay at home. Let me just seclude myself. And this is exactly what Elijah's done. And, and let me pose this question. Who or what is causing you to run? How do you know that this is an indicator in your life? By little things that we say, you know, life was good for me up until COVID-19. Life was good for me up until I lost that job and got this other job or the the, the marriage didn't work out. Whatever it might be, sometimes there are those little indicators that sometimes we've succumbed to this mentality of running for our lives, going from courageous to cowards, just like Elijah. Elijah. This is a normal experience. I even notice in the life of Jesus some of the sequence of events. Do you remember as we would look at uh, Matthew chapter 3, we realized that Jesus, we were talking earlier in the Sunday school lesson about modes of baptism, and Jesus is baptized by John the baptizer in the Jordan River, and, and as He's baptized, do you remember the words that came from heaven that the Father speaks to the Son? This is my beloved Son in whom I am what? Well-pleased. Well did, that's Matthew chapter 3. Do you remember what happens in Matthew chapter 4? Jesus led away into the wilderness and tempted. I mean, there there are circumstances in my life. I just want you to know that this, this tendency, this inclination, this, this way in which we can go from the greatest of days to the gloomiest of days sometimes can happen. Now, Jesus, in regard to His temptation, He didn't succumb to any of those temptations. But I just realized sometimes... The good times are there, but then the bad times will seem to follow. So, first insight was seasons of faith are often followed by seasons of fear. I just want you to know that's a normal part of life. But second insight is this from this passage of Scripture. Fear and fatigue cause me to lose hope for the future. Elijah is physically exhausted. He's spiritually drained. Uh, at one point in our church's history at, at uh, Fellowship Community Church in Salem, we had four weekend services. We had a Saturday night service, and then we had three Sunday night services, and then we did that uh, for a number of years. And I remember the sensation and the feeling. I, I, I don't know, Dane, if you ever felt like this, but on Mondays, I can't tell you, 20 years of uh, serving as lead pastor, I bet it happened at least on a quarterly basis on Monday mornings after being drained physically, emotionally, spiritually. I would always think about, man, I just need to resign this church and find something else to do. That, it's a part of life that you and I, that when there's fear and there's fatigue coupled with that, you and I get to the point where we're just like, I, I, I just got to do something else. That fear, that fatigue causes me to run, to hide, to live in isolation. Notice the extent, the depths of despair that Elijah goes to. Back to the passage, 1 Kings 19, verse 4, it says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Now, he didn't get suicidal. He didn't want to take his own life, but he wished God would take his life. I find that there are a lot of people that because of the circumstances that they faith and face and the dire um, situations that they're dealing with in regard to their lives, they, they may not end up being suicidal, but they just like to one night go to sleep and, and just step into the Lord's presence. Maybe, maybe that describes you. Maybe you're here and if you're honest with yourself, it's like when you're going through tough times with your kids, when you're going through challenges in your marriage, when you don't know how things are going to go in regard to work, you're just like, man, I just need to get away from it. I just don't know how I'm going to deal with these circumstances that we find in life. Hal Lindsey was the individual that wrote the book, The Late Great Planet Earth, and he's gone to be with the Lord a number of years ago. But Hal Lindsey said this "This man can live about 40 days without food, about three days uh, without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for one second without hope. Is your hope found in the Lord? Or have you sort of given up on hope? You see, one of the regrettable things is that you and I can even come, we can come to church on Sundays and, and we're like, um, we fake it. I mean, what's, what's the customary thing that we do? We all, we'll reach out, give a handshake or give a fist bump or a high five or whatever it is that you do in your interactions uh, among friends. And you, you, when somebody greets you, you, your natural response is, hi, how are you doing today? And the response is typically what? I'm fine. When you know deep down it's not fine. And maybe, maybe they're just be, in, in terms of being genuine and real and authentic, maybe we'd be all a lot better in the Christian community and to non-believers if we'd just be real about life. And sometimes we honestly say, I've given up some hope. What What is this fear and fatigue coupled together? Why, why does it cause us to lose hope? It's because you and I, we end up focusing on our circumstances rather than a God who loves us. That, that, that's the key. That's pretty pivotal. You see, when I focus on the issues that I'm dealing with in regard to health, or my issues in relationships, or my issues at work, or all the challenges of life, when we keep our mind focused on those things rather than a God who loves us and has sovereign control of all the circumstances that we face... Then we'll lose hope. And uh, I talked about uh, the media earlier. We we have at our church a, a prayer team, and I, that's one of my responsibilities at the church is to oversee and work with this prayer team. So we meet on a corporate um, on a quarterly basis, and we talk through what are we going to do to initiate and. Heighten the aspects of prayer in regard to our church family and uh, develop more intercessors in the life of the church, and and we do all these things. And we come together and we sort of have an agenda. And we go through some things, and we had just gotten finished. Uh, one of our guys, Tom Brandon, had given this devotional, and he had given the devotional on Philippians chapter four, verses seven and eight, which it says, you know, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests. Be made known to God. And then he went on to this. He said, and think about these things. Remember what Paul says? Think about those things that are pure and lovely and good. And he listed it all out. So we had just had this time of devotions. And then there was another gentleman that's part of our prayer team, godly man, he and his wife, Richard and Colleen Huff. And Richard begins to talk. He said, and I won't list the news channel that he was listening to and had mentioned in the meeting, but he said, "I, I just watched the news. And he said I get so worked up. He said, uh, when I, every time, each evening, I'm watching the news. And he said, I get more and more worked up and I'm angry and I let it come out toward Colleen, my wife, and all these different things. And it just affects my attitude all evening. And, and I started thinking to myself, and it, you know, I w- it wasn't some kind of supernatural word from God. I said, well, you do know what the answer is to your problem, Richard. And he looked at me, sort of surprised, and I said... Just turn off the news. You see, we we end up feeding that inclination to anxiety and fear in regard to our lives, and sometimes we just need to be honest with ourselves. Are, are, are you going to social media and are you involved more in Facebook than you are in the Facebook? You and I have some tough questions to ask ourselves. If, if we're finding ourselves more and more anxious, more and more worked up, more and more negative in regard to our lives, just end up spending more time in the Word. I always, you know, I have this little habit in the mornings I get up and fix a cup of coffee and I'll wish people on Facebook a happy birthday and then I get off of that and I'll read the headlines for the news. But then I make sure that I finish so that my perspective is right for the day that I spend some time in the Scriptures. Because that prepares my heart for whatever the circumstances might be of that day. Where, where's our faith? Where's the direction? Where, where is it that you're letting your mind be focused in regard to your life? Craig Groschel, the pastor at Life Church, has said this. People, people often say that fear is the opposite of faith, but I respectfully disagree. The way I see it, fear actually relies on faith, it's simply faith in the wrong things. Fear is placing your faith in what ifs rather than God is. That's a good word. You, you may be finding yourself thinking about all the what ifs. Well, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And What, what, what if my marriage doesn't work out? Or what if my... You know, the, you know, we can look back at all these things over these last two years. Or you, maybe for you, maybe it's not the last two years. Maybe it's the last two weeks maybe you envisioned a different kind of christmas and new years and things just haven't worked out for you and yet god says to you hey where what what's the focus of your thoughts and your energies you'll either focus on your fears or you'll have a faith in god do you do you remember uh, hebrews chapter 11 all those people that are apart we talk about the pro-football hall of fame. There is the hall of faith that we find in Hebrews chapter 11. And we look at Abraham and Gideon and all those individuals that were in Rahab and different ones. And we realize they were people that didn't look at their circumstances. They looked and trusted in God. And that's what God asks you to do this day. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You have a choice as to what you... Let your mind dwell on each and every day. So, insight number one, seasons of faith are often followed by seasons of fear. Insight number two, fear and fatigue cause me to lose hope for the future. And then number three is this. And this is where we find the goodness and the grace of God. The future includes the provision of God. We talked about Elijah is so human. I love in his humanity that God meets him at his point of need. And I I want you to know this. If you walked into these doors and you don't have much hope for 2022, I want you to know this. God wants to meet you at your point of need. Whatever your circumstances, whatever's causing the anxiety in regard to your life, God wants to meet you at that point of need. In fact, the, uh, the... The understanding is this, that God is the Jehovah-Jireh. He's the one that provides, and He provides for Elijah in this story. How does He do so? He gives him three ways, and God is so practical, and God understands our humanity. Did you realize you are body, soul, and spirit? You are a triune being, and God gives you the ability to experience and meets those needs on each of these levels. First of all, we see this. A time of physical recuperation. A time of physical recuperation. Up until just a few years ago, we, we hadn't used the term in our culture, hangry. You know, when you get uh, hungry and you get a little angry and you need a Snickers bar or a pack of nabs or whatever it might be. You and I, it, it is a physical response that it, it evidences itself emotionally that we become a little grumpy or we become a little edgy in different things. God knows and understands our physical makeup. It was interesting, if you look back at the passage of Scripture in verse 6, it says, There was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. God doesn't, at this particular point in the story, give him some big spiritual lesson. He'll get to that. He'll be speaking to him in his still, small voice. But at this point, just God meets his physical need. Charles Finney one time said this, that fatigue is the enemy of revival. Do you, do, some of you just need to hear this word today. Some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do when you're tired is rest. Unless you have an inclination to laziness and you want to sleep all the time. Sometimes we're, we're too, I, I find myself, I'm too checklist oriented. I, I want to, you know, I, my sister's big on sticky notes. And she has all these sticky notes all around her house. and I, 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 Somehow it was, it was ingrained in terms of our family. And I have sticky notes. I wish I'd have taken stock in, you know, like 3M or something back years ago. And I have little sticky notes. And, and now I do it on my phone. I have a little checklist of things that I'll do. And I feel success when I get to the end of the day and I have all these little things checked off. But God has not made us human doings. He's made us human beings. God said sometimes to us the most spiritual thing that we can do when we're tired and worn out and frazzled is relax you should work that into your regimen and into your schedule just as much as you do anything else. And so just realize this, that a time of physical recuperation, maybe you need to just say, hey, I need, to, I need a few days off. Or we need to take a trip. Or we haven't been on vacation in a long time. Beth and I were talking, even on New Year's Eve, we went over to some... Some friends had invited us over, and we hadn't been able to go. They invite us every single year. It's a group of people from the church, and we had always sort of turned them down because we're not late night, or at least I'm not a late night person. And, and so they had invited us over. We were, we were walking back out to the car after we had gotten finished. Now, we didn't, I have to acknowledge, we didn't stay until midnight. I think we stayed until about 10.30, 10.45, and I was like, this is way past my bedtime. <laughs> we got to get home. And, and so, but we were walking out to the car, and we were like, this was good. This was good for us to spend some time with some friends. Just to not always be sort of at the grindstone and working all the time. So God meets that provision in regard to Elijah's life by the time of physical recuperation. But also there's this, there's a word from God. There's a word from God. Now, I brought this out. If you look back to verse 9 and verse 13, two times Elijah is asked the same thing. He's here at Mount Horeb. It's the same as Mount Sinai. He's there. There's this word from God. And in the middle of this, he asks him this question, "What, what are you doing here? Now, I do want you to understand this. Anytime God asks you a question twice, you didn't give the right answer the first time. That the same is true in the New Testament where we see Jesus interacting with people and he would say, verily, verily, like, don't miss this, guys. And he's not wanting to him to miss this here and this. It reminds me of the story of this, this seminarian who continually announced, he would always tell people, I will go far in the ministry, I will go far in the ministry. And his classmates tired of hearing the refrain, I will go far, I will go far. And finally somebody asked this supposedly confident student, Why do you say that all the time? Are you arrogant or what? The seemingly boastful student responded, Well, I'm just repeating what all my professors have told me. If I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. They always tell me, Son, you have a long way to go. When God asks you a question the second time, it isn't for His education, it's for yours. Some of you, God keeps coming back to the, hey, I want you to follow me in this particular direction. I want you to pursue a new vocation. Or I want you to go and be on the mission field. Or I want you to witness to your neighbor. or Whatever it might be, but there's that word from God that if you've gotten a word from God, you're going to be all right I look back uh my wife Beth and I have been married for 34 years and and uh, probably this past year 2021 was probably the one of the most difficult and challenging years that we've had in all our years of knowing each other uh, Beth's mom uh passed away or stepdad passed away it, there were like four months just a little over four months Apart from each other, fully unexpected. We sort of knew that Ricky may pass away, and we didn't know what has helped. But then we thought we had some good years with her mom, and she passed away. We had one of our, uh, our older sons separated from his wife back in the spring. Praise God, they're back together now and hopefully headed in the right direction. Uh, we've had some challenges with our younger son we've we've gone through a lot just a month ago I was diagnosed and thank you so much for praying for me I was diagnosed with prostate cancer and had it not been but this is what we've learned in the middle of it even though it's been a challenging tiring difficult year and yet when you get a word from God and you depend on His grace you can just rest in that of knowing everything's going to be okay Regardless of the circumstances. Now, notice the contrast from what had happened previously with Elijah to what's happening now. Do you remember, we talked about the story on Mount Carmel where the fire came down from heaven. There's, there's, it's very apparent that God doesn't always want to speak in the same way. He spoke that one day, and the, the fire is consuming the sacrifice there on the altar. And the prophets of Baal are destroyed. But he doesn't speak the same way twice. In fact, God takes Elijah out to the mouth of this cave and there was this huge wind that came by, but God was not in the wind. And there was a huge earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. And then the last thing is pretty significant, that the fire comes by, but God was not in the fire. Not like He was on Mount Carmel. It was in that gentle, low whisper. Some translation of your copy of the Scripture say this, the still small voice of God. Jesus said this, um, My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. You, you may know a lot about God. In fact, C.I. Schofield that wrote the Schofield reference said there is a great deal of difference between knowing about God and knowing God. I'd ask you this because as you start the This year, and as we think about Christmas season of the year, God giving the gift of His Son Jesus to come to earth and be born in that Bethlehem stable. You and I, the greatest thing you can experience is not being religious, not being at church on a Sunday morning, but knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. To hear His voice each and every day of life. Through the challenging and difficult times that you have the privilege to know and experience a relationship with Him. That's why Paul would say, my life first is this is Philippians 3.10, that I might... Know Him and the power of His resurrection. He wants you to be able to hear His voice. And he finally, Elijah gets it and he hears this gentle whisper, this still small voice of God. And he asks him the question that he has come back to. What are you doing here? There was a guy at our church, Dickie Jennings, he had surgery back some time ago and he was going in, it was going to be a, a pretty serious um, surgery that he was facing. And it was at the time where pastors couldn't go to the hospital. And so I called Dickie Jennings on the phone and I said, Dickie, I want you to know we're praying for you. And, he, you know, he, he, he said this to me. He said, uh, You know, Pastor Ken, he said, I love my wife, Gail. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. He said, But if I don't get this through this surgery and God takes me home to be with Himself, he said, uh, That's all right. And I thought, wow, what a, what a perspective. A lot of people go into that anxiety and fear. We, maybe some of you. We, I remember the fear that we experienced as a couple. We had, our youngest son, Jake, worked up in uh, Leesburg at a at a mall and and we were telling him the first few weeks when all this came out and all the paranoia about COVID 19 and everything we said now jake we just want you to know don't come home and knock on the door unexpectedly because nothing would be worse than for us to have to say because you're exposed to people all the time like it'd be awful to say you can't come in and we lived that way for a couple of weeks and finally we just said, you know if if you know we will be safe we're going to wear masks. We're going to do different things. We're not going to be around people that have been exposed, different things. But we can't live our lives in fear. We finally had to get to this point where like, son, come on home if you want to come on home. Because, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot worse things than perhaps getting COVID and going to be with the Lord. And that is not being able to love your family and your friends. And we finally had to face that reality we had to say, we're, going, we're, going to live, we're not going to live foolishly. We're not going to do stupid things, but we're going to make sure that we still continue our lives. We had people in our church that I had to lovingly challenge. And they, they spent over a year and they had no interactions with their grandkids and their kids. I'm like, you got some tough decisions to make, but you know. Let, let, let's look at things. Let's not live our lives based on fear. Let's live our lives based on faith. So, some of this provision from God, a time of physical recuperation, a word from God, and third and final thing is this. This is what I want you to get at the beginning of a new year. Is some plans for the future. God has some amazing plans for you in 2022. Can you imagine what it is? I mean, He gives us gifts that are far grander than what, anything we could imagine or think, as it says in the book of Ephesians. Hope for the future. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. In fact, let's, let's read this passage. Uh, let's bring that up on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Maybe I don't have it on the screen. Um, okay, let me just quote it for you then. Oh, it's on the program. All right, thank you. Uh, let's read this out loud together out of your program. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for where and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. That's what Jeremiah the prophet, inspired by the Spirit of God, says to people. God wants you to know, in this new year, 2022, God has a plan for you. He has plans that will exceed the expectations. I know Dane was telling me about his new work. That he has, he says, it's like a dream come true. God wants to give you dreams that come true in regard to your life. Whatever that might be. Whatever your circumstance have been in this past year. And regardless of what you're dealing with currently. Notice how specific God is to Elijah. When he speaks to him in this still small voice... In this gentle whisper, verse 15, it says this, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, and then if you follow on down through the subsequent verses, you find this, anoint the king of Syria, anoint the king of Israel, and you're going to find someone you can mentor. His name is Elisha. And He gives him these plans for the future. You know, in the, in the doldrums and the despair and the discouragement that Elijah found himself, God closes on that. God gives him this word. I've got something for you to do. And in 2022, I want you to know this. That regardless, maybe you're here as a single person. Maybe you're here as a young adult. I don't know what the future has in store for you. Maybe it's switching vocations being willing to say, yes, I want to be committed to you in marriage, whatever it might be in regard, pursuing and going on the missions field, whatever it might be, God says to you this, I know the plans I have for you. I want to give you a hope and I want to give you a future. But it starts at this point. It starts at the point where you hear His still small voice and you respond to His goodness and grace shown to us through the person of Jesus, that Jesus came. To that Bethlehem stable, and he came in that cradle, but ultimately it was to culminate in Calvary's cross. And when we think that he lived the life that we couldn't live, and he gave on Calvary's cross the death that we couldn't give for our sins, he restores us in a relationship. He gives us a better life here on earth, but he gives us also hope for all of eternity. But it happens. When you hear his gentle whisper and you respond to him, God, I give you my life. And my question for you is this. If you haven't given him your life up to this point, would today be the day that even now, just as I'm talking, like, all right, this makes sense. God, I give you my life. Tired of living life my way, I want to give you my life from this moment forward. My life is yours. You're going to have to give me the strength and the power and the ability to live life differently. God, whatever 2022 has in store, God, I want to trust you. I don't want to live my life based on fear. I want to live my life based on faith. I want to have confidence in you. That's my prayer for you. And I want you to have your own conversation with God. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Based on what it is that Holy Spirit has said to your heart today, Would you be willing in the quietness of these moments that if you never opened up your heart and life to Jesus Christ for His gift of salvation that you would do so today to say, "All right, enough's enough. God, I'm sorry for my sins. I thank You for Your gift of salvation through Jesus. Thank You for His perfect life, His death on the cross, His victory over the grave. I'm going to trust you from this moment forward. We've thought about all the giving of gifts at the Christmas season of the year, but maybe the best thing that you can do at the outset of 2022 is give your life to Jesus. For those of you that know Christ as Lord and Savior, perhaps there's some circumstance, some attitude, some perspective that's caused you anxiety and fear, but right now in the quietness of these moments. What's the word that God wants to give you? Trust me. Persevere. I have plans for you. I have hope for you. Lord, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the the text, the story of Elijah and 1 Kings, and we thank you that it still has pertinence in our lives thousands of years later. So we look to you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for each believer that's here, for each person that desires to live for you, for the work that's going on here in South Boston and throughout the Halifax area. We give you praise, thanksgiving. We trust you by faith for a new year and new plans that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at FCCSOBO.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, and we hope you have a wonderful week.